Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. our series this morning on the book of James. This is part six, and we could go through part 10, but, but we really need to, you know, get Easter's coming. So we got it. We got it. We have other stuff that we need to do. So if you could open up the book, uh, the book, the Bible, um, to the book of James chapter five, James chapter five, verses 13 through 18. James chapter five, verses 13 through 18. How many of y'all are loving the warm weather that's coming, man? Man, it's so good to be able to, you know, go outside and not have a massive coat on. I don't know. Sun makes a difference in my life. Anybody else? Like, I feel the difference in my mood when the sun is out. Uh, I just feel more spiritual. I feel more anointed. I just feel everything extra happy when the sun is shining. And uh, praise the Lord for the Christian. The sun shines every day. Come on, somebody. James chapter 5, verse 13, we'll read there. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing that person with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered up in faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If anyone has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and in its working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Another version says, prayer, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. Thank you for this great day. Thank you for Ambassadors Church. Thank you for the amazing things that you are doing through uh, your people in this house. And Father, I just look ahead prophetically with vision, just knowing, God, that there is so much land still to be taken and so many people still to be saved. And so, Lord, I pray that the sparks that are lit this morning, God, would cause a fire that continues to spread throughout our city and throughout our region. Father, thank you that we get to do this, God. What an honor it is to be in the house of God on the Lord's day, worshiping God and being in your word and having an amazing church to come to. Father, we're just, we're not lucky, we're blessed. And so, Lord, we didn't have to come. We thank you that we get to come. And we just pray that you would speak to us now through your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. The, the common phrase is old habits die hard. Can you tell your neighbor that? Old habits die hard. Anybody know what that means? Yeah, it doesn't, what, what, what is it? What, is it kind of just me? I never, I had to Google it because like, I get what they're trying to say, but I didn't know like the, the wording that's used is strange. Old habits die hard. Basically what they're saying is that uh, habits are hard to break. Uh, once you develop a habit, it becomes very difficult uh, to, to break that habit. You know, I've heard all sorts of theories that it takes 21 days to, to break a habit. I don't, I don't know the validity of it. You know, we could ask the psychology people in the room. You know, uh, that's another topic for another day. But I took some time to go through, you know, you know the, the world's resources of Google and, and check out, you know, the most, uh, the hardest habits to break. Um, and so I just want to share a few of them just as a means of introduction. Uh, nail biting is one of the hardest uh, 
one of the hardest habits to break. Any nail biters in the house? You know, we got, we got a couple here in the back. So they recommend, for those of you that struggle with that, try using Band-Aids on all of your fingers. You know, try wearing Band-Aids on all of your fingers, and maybe that'll help. Um, you know, but once you start biting, you know, I'm not a nail biter, but when there's that little thing on the corner of your nail, you know what I mean? Where it just kind of like breaks, or there's like a little skin thing, and then you just go and like rip it. And then it's like sore for 10 days, you know, it's just crazy. So the nail biting, that's a, that's a thing. Ladies in the house, playing with hair is, a, is a, one of the hardest habits to break, according to this list. I've noticed some girls with like long hair will do like this thing where they'll flip it this way. They'll walk and then they'll flip it that way. They'll flip it the other way and then they'll flip it the other I'm like, why are we flipping everything? Like, it's, they just, the, one girl yesterday, a teenager, I, she was walking by and I noticed that. I just like, she's just walking and she flipped it uh, like probably five or six times as she was walking by us like this. And I'm just like, That's, that looks exhausting to me. So if you're next to a girl, just tell her, cut that out. Just tell her, cut that out. If you're sitting next to a lady. All right, number three. Is this, this is not helping anybody. I'm not going to ask you that. Is it? Okay, maybe. Uh, using um or like when talking. Um, 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 like, 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 like this, like that. One of the hardest habits to break. And they recommend, oh, for the ladies playing with hair, they recommend using a stress ball. So just use a stress ball so that you're not doing that to your hair. Using um and like, they just recommend you paying attention to what you're saying. That's kind of common sense. Number four, this may be some of us, this is me, late night snacking is one of the hardest habits to break. To late night snacking, can you believe that? On the list, pretty wild. They recommend, instead of late night snacking, folding laundry, picking up your clothes out for the next day. Picking out your clothes for the next day. That's what they recommend. Instead of late night snacking, pick out your clothes for the next day. Folks, I made an investment a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. We bought a steamer. Uh, to, and and it, it's changed my life. I can't iron no more. Now that I have a steamer, you can throw away the ironing board. You can throw away the iron. I'm telling you, steamers are life-changing. I'm, I'm over there picking clothes for next week just because I, I can steam it. You know what I mean? Just steaming clothes. It comes out of the, the dryer, steaming it already just because it's nice and satisfying to steam clothes. Whatever. Uh, number five, uh, one of the hardest habits to break, avoiding eye contact when talking with people. Ever met that, that person that's just looking everywhere? Uh, there's a little trick. Look at them right here. Right here. Don't look in their eyes. Just look right here. And if you're nervous about looking people in the eye, look at them right here, and they won't even be able to tell. All right? Look at, look at, look at your neighbor's forehead and just go ahead and see if you can tell if they're looking at their forehead. Number six. I'm almost done. Cracking joints. Cracking joints. Any joint crackers in the house? You know, we got some just cracking it for no reason. I always heard that causes arthritis. I'm not sure if that's true or not. It's a myth. It's a myth. Okay. All of you joint crackers, we're not getting arthritis. Uh, number seven. Oh, I, uh, shoot. I didn't write that tip down. I guess you just like, I don't know, maybe a stress ball also. I'll just prescribe you a stress ball. and that, 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 There you go. Healed. All right. Number seven uh, is being late. Uh, <laughs> Ethnic church. I knew it would resound. Uh, <laughs> I just knew it. Uh, yeah, once someone's late, they're perpetually late for everything. Uh, man, I like being on time. Any on-time people in the house? 
like on time is five, 10 minutes early, 15 minutes. Like I'll wait in the car if I need to. Like I will, I'll take a nap. As long as I'm in the parking lot, I will, I will take a nap in the car and wait, right? When I was doing job interviews, man, I would show up like an hour early. I don't need to, like I will, I will wait. I will, I will walk. I will read. I will do something, but I'm not going to be late because I hate being late. I hate being late. Tell your neighbor, be on time in the name of Jesus. My goodness, people that walk into parties with a platter of food at 9.30 when the party was at 6. Oh, my goodness, what is going on? Everybody's already had the dessert, and you're walking in with tuna pastel at 9.30. Man, it's a, it's a habit that needs to be broken. One thing I do is, is I tap my leg when I'm sitting. I just, I'm always, this leg is like, it's nuts. I don't get it. Any leg tappers in the house? Three, four, okay, five, five, several of us. I don't know why I do that. I don't know. It's not, I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious. It's just a terrible habit. I just, I just start, and Alina will, like, put her hand on my knee and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, but I just need to. It's just like energy, pent-up energy that needs to, needs to get out. It's just bad habits. But the power of habits is that it's so natural that you don't even think about it, right? The nail biters are not deciding to bite their nails. They're just like so accustomed to biting their nails that they can't stop. It's just like their natural response to like everything. You know, people that are late aren't being like, I want to be late, they're not saying that. They're just late. That's just their natural response to stuff. I'm not deciding to shake my leg. It's just something that I do. People that avoid eye contact are not thinking like, yes, let me avoid looking them in the eye. It's just a natural thing, you know? Uh, when people are cracking their joints, maybe you are a little bit deciding I'm going to crack my joint. But, but you know what? It's just like a habit. You just form it. And it's mindless, and you're just doing it. It's, you know, you're, right now, you're not thinking if you're, if you're going to breathe or not. It's just part of, like, who you are. Your, your body is breathing. That's the, how we stay alive. It's just happening so naturally. It's so ingrained into our DNA. It's so ingrained into who we are as human beings that we don't even need to think about doing it. And I think that's what James is talking about when he says to pray. He's saying it should be our automatic response to everything. I'm not thinking about I'm not saying mindless prayers, but I'm saying prayer, the, 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 the essence of prayer is so ingrained in who we are as a believer that we're not being reminded to pray. We're not considering prayer. We're not thinking maybe prayer is an option, but prayer is the habit that we have decided to adopt that with everything we will respond in prayer. I'm going to pray in everything, for everything, in every season. It is so, like, it's so ingrained into me. It's such a part of my DNA that I don't need to be reminded to pray. I am living in a constant state of prayer. Any prayer people in the house? Come on, church. Get with me on this. Like, we got we to gotta become prayer warriors. We can't just be like, yeah, maybe if I feel like it. No. Like, a, a powerful Christian life is only going to be had when we are living in perpetual prayer. And prayer doesn't look like, okay, let me bow my knees, close my eyes, have quiet time. I really believe that that is prayer. But there's pr- a, pray without ceasing means like we are constantly in the presence of God, dialoguing with God. Throughout our day, I'm talking like you're showering, 
you're, you're, you're talking to Jesus. You're, 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 you're throwing, spraying your cologne. You're like, aroma of the Holy Spirit, be on me. Like you're, 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 you're dressing and you're like, as I'm putting on this shirt, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And the, as you're putting on your socks, it's the feet of shoes of peace or whatever. Like I'm just talking, these are just wild examples to prove to you a point that the Christian walk is one where we are in constant dialogue with God. It's, it's, it's a day in and day out, morning, night, and all through the night. I want to be in a perpetual state of prayer. We can't stop praying, y'all. We can't stop praying. If we want to be a powerful church, an effective church, we have to be a praying church. The move of God will only come about in our midst when we are a church that prays. Not a church that parties, although I love parties. Not a church that, that just programs, although I love programs. Not a church that has production. I'm going to keep going through the P's because that's what preachers do. Production, parties, people. No, we need prayer. Pizza, Pizza all the P's. None of that is going to be the answer. I really believe the answer to a powerful church, a, an effective church, a church on the move, a church that's winning people to Christ, a church that is seeing uh, dead people come back to life, a church that is seeing uh, cancer healed in the name of Jesus, a church that is seeing demons flee at the sound of one name. That is not going to come about through parties, pizza, production, or anything else. It's going to come across through the power of prayer. We've got to pray. Can't do weak prayer, silent prayer, quiet prayer. We got to go into the war room kind of prayer. We have to start making demands on heaven kind of prayer. We got to start going to God's presence boldly, not just thank you for this day, thank you for this food. I'm talking about let's move heaven and earth through these prayers. Amen. Come on, are you with me this morning? Amen. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. And I'm telling myself this morning because I've noticed I can't pray on my mattress. Doesn't work. I don't care how spiritual you are. You cannot lie down on Serta and be in God's presence. I will be like, Lord Jesus, and that's it. And, and I'm gone. And, and I say amen the next morning. Isn't that wild? It's crazy. And I know I'm just saying it, but many of you have done it. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to really be focused this time. I'm just going to lay down. I'm going to just talk to Jesus for a few moments. And then I'm going to have a wonderful night's sleep. And I remember nothing else after that thought. Or I'll start praying, lying down, and, uh, and I'll start, my, my brain will just go onto something totally different. You know, like, I, 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 I'm, Lord Jesus, why is the dishwasher that loud? You know, and, and we're just like completely diverting. Folks, prayer in our life needs to be intentional. Intentional prayer. It needs to be not an option. It needs to be our complete livelihood. Everything that we do, everything that we are about needs to be moved through the power of prayer. Uh, I grew up in church, as you all know, and I'm a pastor's son, and so we visited a lot of houses growing up. Uh, my dad still visits houses, but, you know, now, like, I'm not really there as much uh, with him. And so we, when we were growing up, Shayla and I were always visiting homes. Like, we were always having, like, a meal at somebody's house, always breaking bread, always eating, you know, food at people's homes. I was just like our life. Cause, and I think that's why both of us bought into uh, not only the gospel, but ministry is that it wasn't their job. It was like our thing. So it was like we did ministry together, even though I wasn't doing much. I wasn't laying hands on anybody at six, but I knew that, that this was, this was what the Limas do. We, we visit people, we eat with people. I don't know why, but that's just what we do. And so that became like my normal. 
And I always knew when we were going to somebody's house, we would never leave that house without praying for that house. Always. Like I always, I could quote my dad before we leave the room, before we leave the house. And you know, us K-Virgins be saying bye like nine times. We get up from the kitchen, we say bye. We go to, we move to the living room, we're saying bye again. We go to the front door, they open the front door and we're saying bye. We step out onto the porch, we're saying bye again. We get into the car and roll down the window and we're saying bye again. We are pulling out and saying bye again. But I knew that before we say the first goodbye, my dad would always put his arms around whoever's next to him, huddle everybody up as close as we could get and all of the breath was all in that warmth. And so when me at six years old was receiving all of the breath of the prayers that were being offered up to the Spirit, and I'm like, I'm not enjoying this. But he, say, he would say, Vamzora. Still does. And, then, and when he comes into a house, he always says, peace be in this home. When he leaves, we've got to bless this house. Because before we go in and after we leave, we got to pray. Because Christians, for us believers, prayer is not an option. Prayer comes before, prayer comes during, prayer comes after, prayer comes throughout. We can't do anything without praying. So I learned that growing up. And man, I've been visiting some city folks, and, I, and I'm kind of guilty. I don't be praying over your houses, but, 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 but maybe I should start. You know what? So just prepare yourself. Next time I'm at your house, be like, Shane, you didn't pray. All right. We've got to pray. I really felt this preparing for this morning that if we want to see vision for this church become reality, potential move into actual purpose, we have to, we have to take our prayer life up Agreed. a level. Agreed. And prayer life is more than attending prayer meeting on Tuesday nights. Although I will give that plug, I, I, I dare say that if we will commit ourselves to being a praying church, that we will see the move of God unlike anything that we have ever experienced in this place before. Prayer is for all occasions. As we were doing uh, Marie Kondo method in our closet, I have this one t-shirt that I wear like all the time and Alini would wash it and it would go back on the top of the t-shirt pile and it'd be the next t-shirt I wear. So I was like, it's like literally the, and, it, and you know those shirts that just don't wrinkle? Like you can like stomp on them, crunch them. You can throw it, you can roll over it with your car and it's still not wrinkled. It was the magic shirt. And, uh, and, and so I'm like, this is just great. I'm going to wear this thing for, for everything. And so we had a conversation a couple weeks ago and she's like, you're wearing this shirt way too much. And, and, but she washes it and it goes back onto the top of the pile. And so it's the first thing I see, so it's the first thing I put on. And I think that's what prayer should be. It's this garment that we use for all occasions because you can't go wrong by praying. You can't go wrong. And, uh, and so I had to get that shirt and put it on a place that I'm like, this is becoming a, like, just, no, I'm, this is a rag now because I use it way too much. But I think that we as a church need to recommit ourselves to keeping prayer at the forefront of our life. It's always going to be not on the bottom shelf, not on the back. It's right on the front. It's the first thing that we go to. Every single morning, we start praying. Every single morning, we start calling on the name of Jesus. It got to be that T-shirt that you wear, I mean, to the death. You just keep wearing it. You wear it even when it got holes in it. You wear it when you're uncomfortable in it. You wear it when, it gets, when you gain weight and it's a little bit too tight. You wear it. You wear it all the time for every party. You wear the garment of prayer. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, wear it every day? Wear it every day. 
If we're in trouble, we pray. If we're sick, we pray. If we're happy, we pray. We don't just pray when we need God to do something for us. We pray in worship. We pray in praise. We pray when things are great. When we start, you know, we start praying powerful prayers on the good days. So that on the bad days, we already have the power stored up. We have a well to draw from so that that power that we received on the good day is going to sustain us in the bad day. You see, weak Christians get weaker when they only pray on bad days. Because you have no well to draw from. You dig deep wells on the good times. So that on the bad days, you have a source of power that is going to sustain you in the, in the valley. You got to dig deep when things are good. Because things are about to get bad. And you're going to draw from the power that you received when you prayed in the good times. Is this meaning anything to anybody? Come on, we got to learn what it means to pray when things are great. And we don't need God to give us money. And we don't need God to, to provide this or that or the other or heal us from this or that. I really believe that powerful prayer is when I just come into God's presence and recognize who he is and who I'm not. Instead of me giving God a laundry list of what I need him to do, I'm just going to come into his presence and say, God, I submit myself completely to your will. Prayer is for all occasions. And faith is the key to effective prayer. It says the prayer offered up in faith will make a sick person well. Do y'all believe in the power of healing? Come on, do you believe that we can see more people healed in the name of Jesus? Then we have to increase our faith to make those prayers effective. The prayer offered up in faith. We gotta pray and not doubt. Have you ever noticed uh, group projects? Anybody hate group projects? Hate group projects. Group projects are the worst. When they say group projects, I would drop the class if I could. If in ad drop period, 90% of the class is group projects, I'm like, yep, not for me. Uh, because I always felt like I had to do all of the work in order for it to meet my expectations. Egotistical, pride, selfish, I know. You can judge me all you want, but half of us in the room felt that way too. And so, so, so what I would do is, okay, group project, great. Let me just do it, and then I can guarantee that it's going to come out right. Um, and I think sometimes we treat prayer like that is like, okay, God, I'm going to present to you my request, but let me just kind of work on this, that, or the other so that things can really be the way I want to see it happen. Faith is not a group project. It's a solo effort where you let God do what only God can do in your situation. It's not a group project. God doesn't doesn't need your help. God doesn't need your help being God. Why? Because he was God way before you showed up, and he'll be God way after you're gone. God didn't somehow be like, wow, I'm so glad this person was born so that I could get some help. (laughs) Right? Isn't that foolish to think? Like, wow, thank God Shane was born. Things were looking a little rough in the universe. I needed this guy's help. But sometimes we pray like God needs our assistance. Faith is not a group project. Faith means I entrust all the details to him because he was God before I showed up. He's going to be God after I leave this planet. And God got everything under control. God doesn't need your help. Can you tell that neighbor right there next to you, God doesn't need your help? In an encouraging, loving, life-giving way, God doesn't need your help. Faith is the key to effective prayer. It's not a group project. You got to trust. You got to trust that God is able to do what you're putting in his hands. Number three, and I'm going to end here, is prayer builds community. Uh, James talks about praying for one another. And I really believe that our unity as a church is not going to be because we agree on every doctrinal theological point, because I could care less about that. All I care is that we agree on the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and the rest of it can just be details. But I really believe that if we will commit to praying for one another, that is what will build the unity of the body. 
praying for one another. That if you have a need, that I can cover you in prayer because you have that need and I want to pray for you. And I trust that you as a church are praying and covering me also. And that is the beauty of the body. That when I am weak, you can, you, your strength is going to sustain me. And when you are weak, I can sustain you with the strength that God has given me. And that is the beauty of being part of a community. Folks, church is not just a gathering of individuals where we come, we sing these songs, we listen to a 30-minute sermon, and we get out of here as if nothing just happened. I really believe the power of community is us carrying each other's weight. That when you're struggling, I'm struggling right there with you. That if you need healing, man, get my olive oil out of my cabinet, and let's have a prayer service right here, right now. Come on, I believe that every believer is empowered to pray. I don't know where this idea came from that only the pastor has powerful prayers. That's disturbing. I really think that Christians need to start recognizing the spiritual authority that is on their life. If there is someone sick in your family, guess who's called to pray? You! Guess whose olive oil is going to be used? Yours! Guess who should start the prayer service? You should. I'm not saying don't text us. What I'm saying is take the authority in your hands to call on the name of Jesus because the power is not in the pastor. The power is in the name. And the name of Jesus can be called on by anybody. Man, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to know the authority that we've been given. So receive it from your pastor this morning. You have been given the authority in the name of Jesus to pray, to see demons flee, to see diseases healed, to see everything be handled in the name of Jesus. You got to start praying. Prayer builds community. Prayer doesn't just change things. That's way too broad. I think prayer changes me. Prayer gives me the mind of Christ. Prayer helps me to understand the will of the Father. Prayer is what takes me closer to the heart of God. I know prayer changes things, sounds great. It's on bumper stickers and it's on mugs and it's on every poster at the Christian bookstore. But I think beyond changing things, I think prayer changes the inside of me. Where even though I may not understand what God is putting me through right now, I will choose to continue to pray and have the mind of Christ and see the will of the Father be done in me and through me me and you will never get to that place of submission until you learn what it means to pray not praying making demands on God like he's a genie in a bottle but praying to understand what it is that God's trying to do in the season that you're in right now I love the verse in first Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10 that says now we have the mind of Christ what that means is that I will begin thinking about my circumstance the way Christ is thinking about it I'm going to begin seeing my circumstance through not the lens of pessimism but through the lens of faith and opportunity. I'm not going to see my lack. I'm going to see God's abundance in my lack. I'm not going to see sin. I'm going to see forgiveness in spite of my sin. I'm not going to see my failure. I'm going to see his grace being made perfect in my weakness. And prayer does that. It changes your perspective so you start to see things that humanity may see as evil. God turns around and uses it for good. And prayer is the key to unlocking the perspective of God. Prayer is what changes your vision. Prayer is what changes the vibe of your life, the atmosphere of your life, where you start feeling and seeing things the way people don't see it. 
So people look at it as an impossibility. And people see it as, oh, tough times. And people see it as, man, you're really going through it right now. Life's just kind of happening, huh? No. Prayer helps me, help me submit to the fact that I'm in a season right now, but God is doing something in the season that I'm in. And that's faith. Faith is not a group project. Faith is a solo effort. God puts you on this planet for a reason, and he knows why he's doing what he's doing. And he knows why he's allowing what he's allowing. And prayer is what's going to bring you closer to the heart of God in the middle of that process. Prayer will heal your heart. Prayer will heal your heart. Prayer will do what medicine can't do. Prayer will do what doctors can't do. Prayer will do what psychiatrists can't do. Prayer will do what therapy cannot do. Prayer will do what a counselor cannot do. Prayer will do what church cannot do. Prayer will do what a pastor cannot do. Prayer will heal your soul. I come out of prayer better off than when I went in. Folks, I am like old Shane before prayer, new Shane after prayer. So guess what I got to do to stay new? Keep on praying. I know Alini sees the difference. She'd be asking me, Shane, have you been praying? Isn't that a great wife? When she's like, you're a little bit too testy for my liking. You're, you're getting a little bit, you're getting a little bit, you know, too, 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 too up in your head. Have you been praying lately? And I'm like, you know what, girl? I haven't. And I'm just putting on a microphone what all of us are living. And so the fact is, we got to start praying more. Because if, if, if a powerful Shane is a prayer-filled Shane, then you better bet your last dollar, I'm going to live my life in prayer. If an effective Shane is a prayerful Shane, then I better be praying. Man, I cannot stand up here on this platform and preach the word every single Sunday and not be praying. And if you expect that out of your pastor, then you should expect that out of yourself. Oh, what kind of pastor is this that's not praying sufficiently? As if we're the prayer police. This is not about condemnation. It's about freedom. Because I think God wants to give you access to a whole other dimension of power, authority. And that's going to be unlocked not by, oh, I'm really waiting for the next city night. I'm going to wait for the next preacher they bring through. And if it's real good, then I'm going to go to the altar and he's going to give me a prophetic word. Because we'd we, we be itching for prophetic words. And, and here's my prophetic word. Pray. I'm, I'm prophesying over your life. If, if you need a prophetic word to get you going, I prophesy right now over you. Prayer. All four sections. All of y'all. Front to back. White, black, all of y'all. Pray. Pray. And you're going to see the move of God when you begin to pray. Because emotionalism will not get you through. It won't get you through. Sensation will not get you through. A night of deliverance where we're just going to be like, deliver. No, I really believe that when you begin praying, you're going to see what you're seeking. Pray. And you're going to see that your life is going to go to a next level when you stop making demands of God as if he's a genie in a bottle and you say, God, I'm going to draw close to you through prayer. Choose a closet in your house. Empty it out. Put a mat down there. Close that door. Get yourself in there and pray until you feel it. Some of us aren't willing. Now that's a little bit too drastic, Shane. Not trying to do war room movie. That's not my life. Like, you want to see the supernatural? Be drastic. Be extreme. The other day, I'm not saying this to be like, yep, I'm doing it. There's this little closet in our office. Alini wasn't home. Cleared it out. We had already cleaned out some stuff there, so there wasn't much stuff there. There was a couple things. And, uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to practice what I preach. I pulled it out. Got one of a thousand cozy blankets that we have. 
come in handy at one point. Put it on the floor in there. Little uh, candle. It's nice and safe, not going to tip over and cause any devastation. I brought it in there and give me some light. And I got in there, and for a good second, I felt foolish. I'm like, I'm a grown man, 29, sitting in a closet. And you know what? And I'm like, if anybody in this building saw me, they'd be like, what in the world is this guy doing? You playing hide and seek? Nope. I'm hiding so that I can seek. And I felt dumb. And I felt foolish. But I'll do whatever it takes to see the move of God in my family. I'll do whatever it takes to see the move of God through this house. I'll do whatever it takes to see the move of God in this state. Even if it means that I look foolish sitting on the floor of a closet with a candle. Sitting on a blanket. I don't care what I got to do to get into God's presence. I'll do it. And it's that kind of extremism. That kind of audacity. That's going to trigger this church to go to the next level. Prayer changes everything. Tyler, you can help me out. I'm going to end here. So I told you all that I was preaching at this festival on Thursday night. And uh, it, it was, I was nervous going into it, not going to lie. I, I really think the 9 a.m. service is the best crowd in the world to preach at, honestly. It's, it's, every sermon is hard, but this place is just like, it's a little easier because y'all are just that great. I know you're going to be with me. I know you're going to amen. I know you're going to, you know, respond. But when you walk into like a new environment, it's kind of, it's weird because you never know how the crowd's going to respond. And so you're trying to, as, during the worship, I'm kind of analyzing the room, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, because like young adult jokes don't work on high school students. So you got, and I'm used to like young adults. So like millennial jokes are like my thing. 90s jokes are my thing. And and it doesn't work with high school students. They weren't alive even for 9-11. Like, yeah, nuts. I'm like, so you can't even do, like, all the references are out the window. So I'm trying to, like, think, like, high school students, what do they, what do they laugh at? I don't even know. Like, what do they find funny? And so I'm trying to, like, you know, figure out the room. And then I, I, I preach, and I got up there, and, you know, God did his thing, and I got down, and there's always that moment where you're like, how'd it go? And then this girl comes up to me afterwards. Her name was Hannah, and, uh, and it, if you think worship at ambassadors is loud, you'd be deaf if you went to this event. It was that loud. It was great. I, I like, for me, the louder the better. For me, not everybody's preference, but it was loud. It was those kind of conversations after service where you're screaming at each other. And we were right in front of the speakers. And this, so I'm up here and she's probably here. And she comes up to me, bold, bold girl, maybe 14 years old. And she said, Pastor Shane, I've been going to church for two months. She goes to the Nazarene church in Nashua, New Hampshire. She said, I've been attending, but I haven't made a commitment to Jesus. I haven't accepted him into my life. I've just kind of been attending. So would you pray with me so that I can make Jesus the Lord of my life? And right there in a room packed with hundreds of teenagers with Andy Mineo blasting on the speakers, 
I held the little girl's hand, not the little girl, 15-year-old's hands. And I prayed. She repeated right after me. And I was reminded of the power of prayer. A few words spoken by a 15-year-old is going to radically change the rest of her life. Prayer doesn't just change things. Prayer changes me. Prayer that night changed that girl's life. So last night was my last night at the conference. Again, I preached, trying to make references that high school students would understand. And as I was leaving to go home to get ready for this morning, a young man was sitting on the steps outside the sanctuary, just weeping, weeping. I had talked about addiction. I had talked about eating disorders. I had kind of highlighted some key things that maybe high school students in the room were dealing with. And this young man was sitting there, and one of his leaders was there with him and said, we need you to pray for him. He's battling an addiction. And so I asked him his name, the nature of his addiction. He was honest and open about that. And right there, me, his youth leader, and him prayed. Hundreds of students in that room, Andy Mignot blasting over the speakers, throwing beach balls all over the room. But here's a kid whose life is being changed through the power of prayer. We laid hands. We declared freedom in the name of Jesus. And I reminded him that freedom is a process. Don't worry about stumbling and falling because we all do. But that God was going to start that night a process of healing in his life. And then I wake up this morning and he added me on Facebook. And so this whole weekend was bookended by two experiences. A young girl giving her life to Jesus. A young man being freed from addiction. Both experiences were caused by prayer. What could prayer do in your life? What would happen in your family if you started praying about it? instead of complaining about it? What would our life look like if we received and lived out the authority that God gave us in the name of Jesus? Could you stand with me? I want to pray for you now.